In today's show, we're talking about the Oklahoma City Thunder, their 2021-2022 season, and what we can expect in the future. Michael Bolton? Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. So I'm going to talk about the Thunder. I don't really know how best to do this because there's a lot of conflicting and weird rankings and numbers and information, but we're going to do our best to talk about whatever it is that happened with this team this season. So let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's start with their record. They were not good. We're well aware of that. 24 and 58. That's the fourth worst record in the NBA. So they've got a chance at that you know, top, top number one pick, of course. They can also slide way down as four teams could jump ahead of them into the lottery. But that's fine. They've got some good um, some good prospects and some good opportunities. They've got some, a lot of picks as well. Pick four, pick 15, and pick 30. And that pick 15, which is the Clippers' current pick, that actually might jump into the lottery as well. I'm recording this before, well, you'll know by now, but I'm recording this before the final play-in game, the Clippers versus the Wolves. Clippers, no, Clippers versus Wolves, sorry. Clippers versus the Pelicans. If the Pelicans win that, then that Clippers pick moves into the lottery and that could move to anywhere. So they get those picks. They also get pick 30 from the Phoenix Suns as well as part of the Chris Paul deal. So they've got those three first-round picks. They've also got pick 34, their own second-rounder. So four picks in the top 34, Potentially two lottery selections as well, and definitely two top 15 picks. So a pretty good run at things. The mock draft at Tankathon has them taking Jaden Ivey at number four. Jeremy, I don't even know. I need to learn how to pronounce all these guys' names. Jeremy Sochan? I don't know. Um, Christian Coloco and Usman Dieng uh, down from the NBL. So that's how their, their mock draft is sitting at the moment. In terms of the roster, Derek Favors has a $10.2 million player option. He's going to pick that up. Let's let's not muck around with that. He's going to pick that up. Mike Muscala's got a $3.5 million team option. They keep playing him. He plays well. And then he has ankle issues and surgery and doesn't play anymore. I think they'll bring him back. They're definitely bringing Lou Dort back. He's got $1.9 million team option. And Isaiah Robe has got a $1.9 million team option as well. So they can both be brought back, obviously, at that cheap price. Um, they sign guys at the end of the season like Melvin Frazier and Lindy Waters, those guys on two-way uh, deals. So they're um, restricted guys they can bring back. I don't think there'd be a huge necessity to bring that. And even all those guys um, that they were playing at the end of the season like Xavier Simpson. Simpson, eh? George S. Kalitzakis, Jalen Horde, or I think they'll keep Jalen Horde around to be fair. Um, but a bunch of other those other guys on this team um, I said Kalitzakis, didn't I? That I, I don't think they're going to... Mel, Melvin Fraser, I don't think, is really going to be back either, necessarily. But in terms of uh, other guys, Kendrick Williams has got a $2 million non-guarantee. Huge trade chip, I reckon. Aaron Wiggins, $1.5 million non-guarantee. He's got good value. Vic Krejci, $1.5 non-guarantee. 
good value for him as well. But they don't have him. And uh, Teo Maladon is at $1.9 million non-guarantee. So the guys that you're going to lose is not really anyone off this list. Like they're all outside of trades, which I think they'd try to, they'd like to move on from maybe a Kenrich Williams. Um, they're going to need to create some open roster spots somewhere. Maybe they buy out Derek Favors. Uh, maybe they do move on from Roby or Wiggins, or no, probably not Wiggins or Krejci maybe, who knows. But they don't have actually any real expiring deals unless they decline team options or cut non-guaranteed guys. So it'll be very interesting to see how they do end up approach that or end up approaching that for this upcoming season. Of course, things were weird for this team. Again, they copped probably too much hate for the tanking they did. Again, Tara Melodon and Alexei Pokashevsky were not even in this rotation. And then at the end of the year, they sat them for the last what, week and a half or last week. Everyone was up in arms about it because they were putting up fantasy numbers. But they're not players who necessarily contribute to winning. Um, so sitting those guys, uh, just giving other guys a look to see where they're at in the last week of the year. I don't actually see too much wrong with it. And again, they weren't the worst team. They weren't the second worst team. They weren't the third worst team, which is the case as it's been for the last two years. Before we get into talking about these players, I've got to tell you about Bilt Bar. Bilt Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. If you're looking for a delicious snack, Bilt Bar is going to have you covered. Low in calories, low in fat, low in sugar, but also high in protein. And unlike protein bars, which we know are good for getting protein in, they taste terrible though. Bilt Bar doesn't. Tastes great. Also, they've got their puffs. Protein-infused marshmallow. Great flavors here, the churro flavor. Lemon dip cheesecake, which is the one I take. I don't take it. What am I talking about? I eat it because it's bloody delicious. And you should as well. So if you're sick of treats that kill you in terms of your calories and fat intake, and you're sick of protein bars that taste disgusting, get Built Bar. They cover both of these bases for you. High protein, low fat, low calories, low sugar. Get to Built.com, use the promo code LOCK15 and save yourself 15% off your order of Built Bars. Built Bar is built different. Let's just look at the players on this team. Let's start with Shea Gilles-Alexander. He ended up playing 56 games, had that ankle sprain, which is pretty significant. Came back from it, played like 10 games or so after the break, and they shut him down um, with that ankle soreness, which I'm not surprised that he still had ankle soreness. Is it a fake injury? No. Is it exaggerated? Probably yes. Like He definitely had the injury. He missed time. And yeah, every, every man and his dog was like, oh, that's it. He's done for the year. He obviously wasn't. He came back. And then yeah, no point pushing through that pain, which I am sure exists for him towards the end of the year. I thought his season was pretty good. Probably not quite as good as last year. 29th ranked player. He played 35 minutes, 25 points, 5 rebounds, 6 assists, 1.3 steals, 0.8 blocks, 45 and 81. Really struggled to shoot the ball early in the year and hit just 30% of his threes for 1.6. So that's there's the upside there. Get me back from 30% to 34% from three and you go into the top 20 pretty easily, I think. Yeah, he obviously was really impressive. He didn't lead this team in Raptor, which is interesting. Third behind two absolute advanced stats studs, and that's Muscala and Kenrich Williams. Guys always seem to contribute massively in those areas. He was 90th percentile in EPM with a below average uh, true shooting and a horrible effective field goal percentage of 50. His rebound numbers are okay. His assist numbers were great. Defensive numbers were really good. He was impressive this season. I don't think there's any debate in that. Led this team easily in LeBron, 2.5. Really strong numbers from Shea. People will be very, very anti-drafting him. I can assure you of that. I'm never drafting a Thunder player again. I think what we really need to do is see what happens in the offseason. Are the Thunder going to be in a position where they are, again, being extra cautious with injuries into April? If you had a, By the way, if you had a run with my recommended playoff schedule and finish on March 20th, Shea wouldn't have been shut down. He played all those games. 
So again, it's about having the right settings for your league. But if they make moves that help to strengthen this team, he's going to be a steal. Because his ADP was 31. It'll fall. People in, in leagues that are in casual leagues, he will go higher because people won't overthink the injury. In competitive leagues, he will fall because people will over panic. They're like, I'm not drafting him. He's got Thundercloud. This is going to shut everyone down, which again is a complete oversimplification and overreaction and exaggeration on the situation here. So he might end up, again, they are not tanking in perpetuity. There's not going to be this every year. They're not going to be cautious with injuries every year. He played 35 minutes a night. He played a lot. And yeah, if he plays 70 games and you ended your season March 20th, you're fine. The numbers were great. Very interesting to see what they do in the offseason. And that will determine, I think, where I'd be more comfortable taking him. Their second ranked player this season was Xavier Simpson. Simpson, eh? On a per game basis. I'm going to chuck that out. He played four games. He played 44 minutes a night. He averaged 11, 5, and 7.5. And I don't care. Like, this is not an NBA level player. And I don't think we need to look into it at all. The advanced stats hated all these guys. They were so massively negative in all of these numbers that there's just nothing where I go, yeah, you are an NBA caliber player or a rotation guy or anything like that. In fact, I'm not going to talk about him. I'm not going to talk about Kalitzakis. I'm not going to talk about Melvin Frazier. Um, I'm just not. I just don't think there's any point in it. What I am going to do is talk about Josh Giddy, who was the 90th ranked player this season. In points leagues, he was 68th as a rookie. He was a guy I was pretty happy with drafting really late, and it paid off. Obviously, the hip injury ended his season prematurely, I think one or two games after the All-Star break. Was it a real injury? Yeah. The Thunder would have loved for him to have won Rookie of the Month every single month. Was he contributing to winning? Probably not that much. They would have loved for him to be out there for most of that time. I don't think it's any reason to... Giddy, by the way, doesn't turn 20 for another six months. Um, I don't think there's any reason to completely avoid him. The reason you worry is the lack of shooting. 12.5 points is not great. 1-3 is not great. Eight rebounds, six and a half assists, excellent. Really good. 0.9 steals, not particularly good. 26% from three, actually horrible. But the fact that he's still able to be the 90th ranked player based really on getting rebounds and assists shows that if something comes along in these other areas, we're going to get some good numbers. And points leagues, he averaged 32 fantasy points. I think he's going to be able to push top 50 maybe next year. This was all while playing under 32 minutes a night as well. His advanced stats, they're not great. They're not horrible. Negative 1.3. Held up. It's in Raptor. That's not bad. If you look at him on EPM, I don't believe those numbers are quite as favorable. Oh, no. I'm just bringing them up. I can't even find his name. There we go. Um, yeah, he was 57th percentile, so above average. True shooting of 48 is really bad, and if, if, if field goal is 46%, they're really bad numbers. Three-point shooting is really bad. Right, all this needs to improve. I think there's some improvement that can come. But I think overall, as a Thunder fan, drafting him at number six, at age of 19, you'd be really happy with where he ended this season and how things went. Um, negative 0.4 on-off as a rookie on a bad team. That's, not, that's a pretty good number. Shea was a plus 2.9. There's a, there's a big arrow pointing up here for Giddy. The lack of scoring and shooting probably stops him from ever being a top 20 fantasy player. Top, look, think Draymond Green sort of fantasy guy. Like he did have some top twenty seasons. I'm not sure because he had brought defensive stats. 
Ben Simmons brought defensive stats. Giddy probably is a better scorer than what Green is, but you know the defensive stats aren't there. Top 40? I think it's possible for him. He's very young. For two or three years to really see this develop. He's very, very young. Jalen Horde. He only played seven games. 34 minutes, 15 and 12. 49 and then 43 from the line, which is disgusting. I'm not going to discuss guys like Kalitakis and Simpson. But I thought Horde was interesting enough that he could stick on this team. He was 58th percentile on EPM. Fine. 62% finishing at the rim. Unbelievable rebound numbers. Is he a starting caliber player moving forward? I, I don't think so. He's 23 years of age. Same age as Lou Dort. I think he's a rotation-ish sort of guy. Again, finished 91st this year in fantasy because of inflated numbers, average 15 and 12. And that's just not a realistic expectation as we move forward. He was top 50 in points leagues, averaged 36 points per game in the games that he played. That's not realistic. But as a rotation guy, as a top 200 sort of player, maybe, maybe. I wouldn't rule that out. What about Lou Dort? No, my son is also named Bort. 118th in category leagues this year. 108th in points leagues. 118th, to be honest, is actually better than I thought he would do. He's been a guy who gets significantly overhyped, but ha- can't really put it together. My issue with look, with him is, how do I how do I phrase this? I think he can be a really good defender. I think that has dropped a little bit for him. His defensive ability, I think it's dropped off somewhat. He was still pretty good, but he's not. He wasn't actually elite, elite defensively this season. All right, which is where he really needs to get those minutes in. Yeah, the advanced stuff was okay on him, was sort of lukewarm a bit. He was basically the same as Giddy on off, negative 0.2. But he was able to get value by playing 33 minutes a night and really bumping that usage up to 23%, average 17 points. Is that what we want Lou Dort doing? 23% usage on below average, like well below average true shooting and and massively below average effective field goal percentage? doesn't really rebound strongly or pass well and turns the ball over a lot. I think that when we look at Giddy, we look at Gilgis Alexander, even Poku to a degree, even like a Wiggins or something, as the team gets better, their value will improve. As the team gets better, I'm not sure that Dortz does. And I know that can be sacrilegious to Thunder fans because they love him. They think he's this excellent, excellent value player. And I think he's quite a good player. But... This extra usage they pumped into him this year, I don't think actually meant that he's going to be able to do that at high efficiency moving forward or that on a good team, you'd want him doing anywhere near that. I think on a good team, you want him being an 18, 19, 17% usage player and hope that he gets true shooting back to league average. Go out there, defend a bit. But he forced into a larger role, which I'm not sure is going to come his way as we move forward. So there's a bit of... You know, exploring the trade market in a dynasty format. Where where do other people value him? Do they think that it's just going to be a natural progression moving forward? And he goes and beats top 70 next year as the shooting comes along. I think we might get a slight peak and then a drop and then he hovers toward back-end value. That's sort of where I see him fitting um, in dynasty leagues and formats like that uh, as we move forward. Very interesting to see how that was. Uh, what do you average? 27 fantasy points. It's not bad. Darius Baisley, 168th. It's still bad, but improved. Had a knee issue to end the year. 
Um, played 28 minutes, 11 and 6, 1 3, 1 block, 0.8 steals, 42 and 69%. Giggity. Which is obviously some bad efficiency. He didn't start all year. He did move into the starting lineup at the end of the year. His advanced numbers, again, were horrific. Like, in estimated wins, third percentile. Third. That's horrific. 52 true shooting. 49 effective field goal. Horrible. 54% finishing at the rim. Horrible. 30% from three. Disgusting. 69 from the line. Really bad. Assist numbers low. Steal and blocks, pretty good. But the advanced numbers do not like Darius Baisley at all. And we saw a little stretch, I think it was like February, where he played really well. But aside from that, we're three years in, and I don't really know what he's given us. He's had opportunity in the past. He was a negative 6.3 on-off, by the way, which is horrible. He's had opportunities, hasn't really grasped them. And again, if the team looks to get better, he's not going to be a big part of it, I don't think. He is still just 21, turning 22 in a couple of months. So he's still young, but three years in, I'm not sure we've seen enough for me to suggest, hey, buy low, it's going to step up. I'm not, I'm not convinced of that at all. You might be. I am not. And that's totally fine. It's also totally fine to go to betonline.net as your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Find all of the latest sports developments, league reviews and news, including the basketball playoffs in the NBA and all the start of the Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information for live betting, playoffs, esports and more. Go out there and place your playoff bets. Who do you think is going to win the NBA championship? Suns favored, surely? I, think, I don't know where, where Sirius sit at this point of me recording this. So head to the website today. Use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. BetOnline is where the game starts. Isaiah Roby. I thought heading into the season, Roby would be their starting center. Instead, they DNP'd him, which made no sense at all. They were going with Robinson Earl and Favors, playing small ball with Baisley there. And then at the end of the year, they stuck Roby in and he played okay. Is he a starting center on a good team? No. He played 21 minutes. He averaged 10 and 5, 0.8 blocks, 51 and 67. He hit 44% from three. His Raptor at minus 2.2 is not terrible. It's not great. It's not terrible. He had some solid, you know, his EPM was a plus 0.6, one of the third best on the team behind Muscala and Shea. Great true shooting at 60. Great three-point shooting. I'm not sure that's real though. Solid rebound numbers, solid block numbers, solid defensive numbers. He was solid. He's only 24, but he is probably at best a backup center. I think he can do better than he did this year. Maybe he's 100. Next year, they should be just, hey, if we're not going to get a center in the draft or we're not building and getting someone, start him and play him 30. That's what they should do. I just don't think that long-term he is any sort of answer there and is going to develop into this great long-term prospect or long-term piece. Speaking of long-term prospects and long-term pieces, Alexei Pokyshevsky had a big stint in the G League, came back and started to play well. He's only just turned 20 a few months ago. He averaged seven and a half points, one, three, five rebounds, two assists, 0.6 steals, 0.6 blocks, 41 and 70, and shot 29% from three. Yeah, it's, that's bad. Advanced numbers were okay. They weren't great. They were okay. It's negative 2.5 EPM, which is a lowish number. The shooting numbers are just so off. They're just so bad. That's part of the problem. But rebounding, assist numbers are pretty good. Good defensive numbers. It's just that the shooting is just way off, and we're not sure if it's ever going to get there. 
Poku and his on-off is a plus 7.2. Very interesting number. That's a very interesting number. Now, some of that is probably influenced by playing alongside Kenrich Williams. And the fact that the other advanced stats like EPM and Raptor, which take on-off into account, still had him as a negative, would suggest that it was influenced by other players a lot. But there was enough little flashes in there for Poku that in 25 minutes a night, as we move forward, you know, the top 150 is in reach. If he ever played 30 a night, the top 50 is in reach. I'm just not sure he's ever going to get to that. He should be able to overtake Darius Baisley in the pecking order on this team. I don't know that he will, but he should be able to. But I'm still not really sure what Poku is as a player or what he's going to become. He's only 20. 20. Like that is very young. He's a year younger than Trey Mann. He's three years younger than Aaron Wiggins, who's a rookie this year. In three years' time, he could be a very comfortable top 40 guy. I'm not sure that he is, and probably isn't. So I think there's still some value in him in dynasty formats. This year, was a li- he would have been a great buy low when he was playing in the G League, but then when he came back to the NBA, he started playing some good minutes. And it leaves me still in that spot where I, I don't I don't know everything. I don't, there's plenty of shit I don't know. I don't really know where, where he goes from here, where the value sits. But I thought he improved from where he was last year. And the fantasy ability, the fantasy skill set and stat set is still there for him to make an impact. Mike Muscala, 31 years of age. He's, all his advanced stats are really great. He's just never going to play a big enough role to matter in fantasy. We don't need to worry about him or Kenrich Williams, I don't think. Lindy Waters played okay. He bombs threes. We know that. 36% from deep. His advanced numbers on EPM were pretty strong. He was pretty strong on Raptor as well. He's one of the only four players who are positive. Muscala, Williams, Shea, and Waters. Cool, 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 cool. He's LeBron was a, a zero, third best there. Every advanced stat tells me that he was a solid enough player for them, which is at least something to investigate. Plus 3.7 on off. Two threes at 36% as a rookie. 0.8 steals in 18 minutes. There's something there. Is he ever a top 100 guy? I honestly doubt that. A solid enough bench rotation guard, maybe. There's, there's a top 200 season, I would guess, in his future. Jeremiah Robinson Earl. I don't want to talk much about Kendrick Williams. I think he's solid enough, but there's no real excitement in that. Robinson Earl, 22 years of age. Sorry, 21 years of age. Played 22 minutes, 7 and 6. Didn't shoot well. Didn't block shots. Played a lot at center. He's probably out of position doing that. I thought he flashed a little bit at times. Offensively, I think he's got a long way to go, though. And yeah, a, lot of the, a lot of the metrics would uh, lean into that. Fantasy-wise, 274th, not great. Will he ever be more than a 22-minute-a-night player, which he was this year? I don't think so. So while it was good as a second-round pick to do what he did, long-term, I, I don't think I really see it. I don't see it with Trey Mann also. And I know that in general, I'm in the minority with that. A lot of people like Trey Mann. I just, I don't know what he does. I know he can get up shots. We saw that. He had a 22 usage. He averaged 10 points in 23 minutes. 1.5 assists, 0.8 steals, 3 rebounds, 39 and 79. Like, I I just don't think that there is a starting caliber player in there. I think he might end up best case Jordan Clarksoning in it, being a guy that's going to jack up shots and just struggle in every other area. And when it's on, it looks great. And when it's off, it it's terrible. 
I reckon that's what, where we might end up with him. I'm just not convinced that he is a long-term starter. Could be very wrong on that, really easily. But I just... I, I just don't see it. Um, he was the worst player on this team, according to LeBron. His EPM was... I'm going to suggest pretty bad. Let me have a look where it is. Yep, uh, 19th percentile. Field goal percentage, true shooting really low. He shot 44% at the rim. That is like impossibly low. That's just a horrific number. 36 from three is good. Got some nice mid-range shooting there, but bad assists, bad rebounds. I just I just don't see it with him. I don't see him being a... I know, it's, I know he's young, he's 21, and he'll get better with age. I, I just don't see him... He's a negative four on-off. I, I don't see him being a guy who's going to contribute in enough areas on court, and I don't think that's going to carry over to fantasy at all. Vic Krejci had a little bit of a moment at the end of the year. Played 23 minutes at night, six points on a, on a team that's real. Like, he's just not going to play. And I don't really think there's huge amounts of value in, in diving deep into what Vic Krejci is providing. It's not like his advanced numbers were through the roof or anything. They were pretty bad as well. Um, not like, you know, Lindy Waters, uh, whose value was pretty high. And, you know, Poku is not too bad. Um, Jalen Horde, not too bad either in, in that sort of respect. Aaron Wiggins, another guy that was forced into a role, probably a little bit ahead of where he was. Started a lot of games, played 50 games, 24 minutes. Had some injuries, which limited his value. Played 1,200 minutes, though. And still, nothing about what we saw from Wigo makes me particularly excited for the future. I know that sounds a little bit harsh, but it just feels a little bit one of like one of those ones where you're you're not the you're not the piece on this team um, as we move forward. You're not getting relied upon. I think your future is not you know, particularly bright as a player. What, what did he average there? You know, eight and four, forty six and seventy three point six steals. That's okay. It's definitely nothing particularly exciting. He did get by shooting 48% of his mid-ranges. 30% from three is pretty rough. 61 at the rim is not bad. But low rebound, low assist guy, low steal, low block guy. I don't really know what he's good at at this point, And I'm not really sure where it develops. Teo Maladon put together some nice numbers at the end of the year. Still shot poorly overall. Much like he did as a rookie. So where does he sit now? Where does he go from here? Um, he's not going to be a starting point guard in the NBA. I have. He's only 20. There is some upside in Maladon for sure. But... I wouldn't be really relying upon it. Nothing he did. Look, I thought he was pretty bad until the last week or two or last three weeks of the year and was out of the rotation for most of the season. So don't get too overly invested in what he did to end the year. And the last guy, and I'm not going to, I don't think Derek Favors is worth talking about. Ty Jerome, another guy who's older than you think. He's almost 25. Played two years. And in those two years, I there's been nothing that he's done also that makes me think, yeah, this is a player that's interesting. Now, his EPM is not too bad. Negative 0.7. That's well above league average. Um, his LeBron is okay, but it's nothing great. Like, I think he's probably got more of a future than Maladon, but the Thunder don't seem to really believe in that. He averaged seven points, but 1.6 rebounds, 2.3 assists, shot 38 and 80, 29% from three when he was coming in as a three-point shooter. I'm a little worried about where his role is. The guys you look at on this team, and that, that's, I'm not going to talk about it in these, any other guys. Shea, yes, look, this is a top 20 player in the future. Josh Giddy. Probably top 50. Jalen Horde, maybe he can work his way into a rotation player. Lou Dort, I think it's probably going to drop off for him. 
Baisley, I'm not convinced with. Roby, I'm on the fence. Poku, I'm a little bit on the fence, but I think he develops into a solid player. And then Lindy Waters is like your long shot. Maybe he can turn into like a Garrison Matthews type who plays a 25-minute-a-night role consistently. Joe Harris type of player. That's a high bar, of course. But, you know, Joe Harris and Seth Curry. Joe Harris and Seth Curry weren't Joe Harris and Seth Curry when they were rookies. Joe Harris was drafted by the Cavs in the second round, traded to the Magic and Wave straight away. Seth Curry was undrafted. Like, Waters can be maybe... He's not that level of shooter, but maybe he develops into that player. So he's a name to watch for me. Trey Mann, I'm not that keen on. He'd be a dynasty sell high to me if someone buys in. I don't. Robinson, Earl, and Wiggins, they played a lot. I'm not sure that's going to really mean they're going to be good development pieces as we move forward. Just a really hard team to evaluate. And yeah, I don't care for Simpson or Kalitsakis or those sort of players. Melvin Frazier, who got you know, his minutes at the end of the year. Um, so yeah, really interesting team. Guys, that'll do it for me, talking about the Thunder. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. If you're here on YouTube, thumb it up. Leave your comments down below. And that's it. We're done. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.